the street and ask people, uh, hey, do you hate Jesus Christ? Many people would answer, no, I don't have anything about, uh, you know, against Jesus. He was a great moral teacher. He was a wise instructor. If you ask the same person, hey, do you follow the devil? They're going to say, are you kidding me? I'm no Satan worshiper. What are you talking about? But you see, they don't follow Jesus. But they aren't openly opposed to him either. But the reality is they aren't aware. They aren't aware, people in the world, that they are following the evil one, even though they are. And that's because most people in our culture today subscribe to godless values. Godless values. They ignore God in their daily lives until they get into some sort of crisis when they might suddenly decide to pray or to blame God for something going on. But the rest of the time, God just really doesn't exist. Nobody really runs around, at least most people don't run around and say, I hate Jesus and I hate Christians. Most people that we know, that we interact with, are just living their life as they see fit and they're content to let us religious folk follow Jesus if we want to. Whatever's good for you, that Jesus stuff, great. But Jesus says in our text today, in verse 18, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Now, that word if there, that's not uncertain, okay? We kind of use if as uh, maybe, uh, possibly. But in the original language here, it's a construction that means if the world hates you, and it will, And it will. That's what Jesus is saying. The Lord wants us to know that behind the world's hatred for us is its hatred for him. A few verses down in verse 23, he adds, He who hates me hates my father also. You can't separate Jesus from the father. That means that as Christ followers, we must expect the bad. We should not be surprised when people disparage our faith, when they demean our Lord, or they seek to demolish Christian values. If you're shocked by those things, I can't believe what the world's coming to. Have you ever said that? What is going on in our world? I'll tell you what's going on. Satan rules this place. It belongs to him. And God has something different in mind for those of us who follow his son. And by the way, friends, I'm sorry to say it it even gets worse than that. Not only are we to expect the bad, but we must also, number two, expect the ugly. Expect the ugly. A little talked about, but relevant truth is that followers of Jesus can and should expect ugliness and persecution. Persecution will come because they, that is the world, don't perceive. They don't perceive. Persecution will come because they don't perceive. To perceive means to become aware or conscious of something, to come to realize, to come to understand. And so do we see this? That many people around us who are not influenced by Jesus just don't get it. They don't get the Christian thing. They don't get the morality thing. They don't get God's rules or laws, God's ways, God's path. None of that makes sense to them. They don't perceive it. It doesn't even compute. 
in verse 20, Jesus reminds his disciples and us of our servant status. Because we are his servants, what happened to Jesus will happen to us also. You see, the servants are not privileged above that of the master, but are subject to what happens to the master, whether good or evil. But it's not just gloom and doom for the disciples or for us. Jesus reminds them that not all will reject the message. There will be some who will accept him through the gospel, through the good news. The disciples then are called to be faithful to what Jesus has told them and in their witness of him. Friends, if Jesus didn't candy coat things, neither should we. We need to be honest about the world and about the ramifications of the gospel. Some will accept, and that will be a great cause for rejoicing, but many others will reject, and hatred may flow from that rejection. Sometimes it's an abiding hatred for Jesus, for his truth, for his values, or yes, even for his people. But without the full preaching of the gospel, no one would come to be saved. That means that rejection and persecution will at times be the cost for conducting the Lord's business faithfully. And so we must just expect sometimes the bad and sometimes the ugly. In verse 21, Jesus says that ultimately the source of this rejection goes beyond the hatred that the world has for Jesus. They will persecute the followers of Jesus because they hate the one who sent Jesus also, the Father. They hate God the Father who sent the Son. Now, Jesus says that those who persecute, they just don't know the Father. The word know is an important word, by the way. It's not just factual knowledge. There's lots of people that have factual knowledge about God and about Jesus. But what Jesus is talking about is he says, they don't know the Father. It's a, a knowing of relationship and intimacy, a closeness to God. They really don't know God at all. How could they when they respond in hate to the message of God's love? that is exemplified, lived out by Jesus. Now in verse 22, Jesus says that those who reject him and demonstrate this through their persecution of believers, he says they are without excuse for their sin. You see, the gospel truly cuts both ways. For those who believe, for those who believe the message of the gospel is the best news that anyone has ever heard. Why would God reconcile and forgive a wretch like me or like you? What could be better news than this? Hallelujah, amen, right? But to reject the gospel is the worst news that an unbeliever will ever hear. Not only do the citizens of this world have no excuse for just the common sins that they commit, but on top of that, they have the most awful sin of rejecting Jesus and the Father as well. Because Jesus came and spoke the words of ultimate truth, 
as he did here on this world. All excuses pass away. And only the ugly fate of eternal condemnation remains for those who do not submit to Jesus as Lord, as Master, as Savior. And so, friends, we are to expect the bad. And we are to expect the ugly. But praise God, we don't stop there. Because we can also expect the good. Expect the good. In the midst of the bad and the ugly, we are promised that help will always come through the Holy Spirit. You see, the story doesn't end with the ugliness and with the despair. We're not just gutting it out down here on our own in this world while God and, and the Father and, and, and Jesus are just kind of sitting up there watching things, saying, good luck down there, folks. No, no, it's not like that. In verse 26, Jesus promises to send the helper. Don't you love that title? The helper. The spirit of truth comes to reside in every true follower of Jesus. You know, a lot of people have uh, gym memberships. Maybe some of you have gym memberships. And you know, a good gym will have a, a vast array of equipment available for its, uh, for its members. But most people, especially when they're just getting started, have very little understanding of how to effectively use all that equipment to get the most out of their gym membership. And so gyms have something they call personal trainers, right? And these are folks that help the patrons get the maximum benefit out of using the gym equipment. Well, I want you for a moment to just think about the helper, the Holy Spirit, as your personal trainer, available to guide you towards maximizing your life in Jesus. He's there to, to help us get into spiritual shape, right? To say, hey, keep on keeping on. You can do it. And other times he's going to say, hey, that, that's not the right way. Stop doing that. He's there to lead us out of the bad and the ugly and into the full experience of becoming who the Lord wants us, intends us to be. He is the spirit of truth pointing us continually toward Jesus who is our pattern. He is guiding, encouraging, helping, and even at times convicting us of our wrongdoing. And praise God that he does that. On December 3rd, 1967, at the Groot Schuur Hospital in Cape Town, South Africa, the very first human heart transplant was carried out by a, a renowned surgeon, a guy by the name of Dr. Christian Barnard. The daring operation and this charismatic surgeon received immense public attention around the world at that time. The patient's progress was covered by media around the world on an almost hourly basis. And, and although the patient died after just 18 days, Barnard soon carried out a second transplant. And that patient led an active life for almost 19 months. And then remarkably, Dr. Bernard's fifth and sixth patients lived for almost 13 and 24 years, respectively. 
You know, it took great courage to carry out the first heart transplant. And this is why Dr. Bernard is remembered as a, a pioneer in cardiac su surgery. Sick, dying people were given hope that in receiving a new heart, their lives would be extended. Now, as great a, a discovery as that was, friends, it pales in comparison to what God has done for us. You know, God has been in the transplant business for a long, long time. And guess what? His patients, they live forever. How about that outcome? You know, after a, a heart transplant, uh, physical therapists and other folks help patients to gain strength and to begin to use their, their new life to rise to heights that they had seldom or, or never had been able to do in the past. And you know, it, it's the same way with our new spiritual heart. When we come to know Jesus, the Holy Spirit becomes our teacher, our personal trainer, our guide to instruct us on how to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. And as we grow, we come to rely on more and more the Spirit's immeasurable power rather than our own limited strength to make it through this world. We learn to expect the good. And so friends, if you've been trying to do it on your own, if you've been gutting it out, using your own limited strength and you're frustrated by that, the answer is seek God's Holy Spirit. Listen to God's Holy Spirit. Follow God's Holy Spirit. Allow him to train you in new ways of thinking and living and doing because he is our helper so that we might rise above the bad, the hatred of this world. He is the spirit of truth, helping us to focus on the beauty of God's perfect plan of salvation rather than the ugliness that this world has to offer. And so friends, if you find yourself distracted by the bad and the ugly of this world, if you're wringing your hands and wondering, what in the world is this place coming to? Take heart. God has a better plan for you. A plan for life and godliness and goodness despite the bad and the ugly. And so friends, are you listening to the Holy Spirit? Are you letting him direct you in exercises of spiritual nurture? Is your focus on his good or on the bad and the ugly things of this world? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for providing a way of escape from this world. Father, thank you that you have called us out of the darkness of this world and the kingdom of this world and you have invited us and placed us into your kingdom of light and grace and goodness. Father, thank you that we have a, a hope in you that helps us to rise above the bad and the ugly. Father, thank you that you provide for your children, your followers, a peace 
that surpasses our own understanding. Lord, it doesn't even make sense in this world of anxiety and stress and bad and ugly, Father, that we can live in peace. But that is your promise. That is your truth. And we hold on to that. Guide us today, Father. Guide us every day that we might be sensitive to your spirit, holding forth your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, over the next couple of weeks, two weeks, we're going to explore more about the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit as we get into chapter 16. Jesus has an extensive teaching for the disciples and for us about the Spirit. And I think that is by design because he knew how hard this life is. He experienced the hardness of this life. He knew what it meant to live through the bad and the ugly. And he knew what was coming for those who would choose to follow him. And so he knew it would be important to leave behind a better way, a more powerful way, and that is the way of the Spirit. And so I invite you to be here in the next two weeks as we spend time delving more and more into the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Each week as we conclude our, our message time, I always like to let you know that some of our elders are available to pray with you. And so perhaps today you're here uh, and you want to just be uh, prayed for as you uh, work on experiencing the life of the Spirit more. Maybe you've, you've never given your life to Jesus and received the Holy Spirit. You could pray with our elders about that. And so some of our elders are available today. I see it's Joel and Dina Powell. They would love to pray with you and for you as we stand and sing this closing song. So let's stand together as the, the ladies lead us in this closing song. Third verse of leaning on the everlasting arms when we started the service. So I put it.